Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe has announced record revenue sharing with the province's 296 rural municipalities. He made the announcement this morning in Saskatoon at the SARM convention. We will hear from Premier Moe coming up on today's program. Two people are being inducted into the Saskatchewan Horse Federation Hall of Fame on Friday night. The executive director, Greg LaRock, will tell us about those two and what else is planned for the weekend. And Grain Weeks 27 to 29 saw the railways regain control of demand and their strategies to ensure trends continue to head in the right direction. We'll hear from Milt Poirier with QGI Consulting. He monitors the railway's grain movement performance on behalf of the Ag Transport Coalition. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe has announced record revenue sharing with the province's 296 rural municipalities. Moe told SARM delegates this morning in Saskatoon that almost $298 million will be shared with rural municipalities this year, up 13% from the previous year. It's going to go up to $298 million this year. That's up $36 million from last year. It's about a 13% increase, and that now brings us to about $4 billion invested alongside our municipalities through municipal revenue sharing since 2007. How that trans... That is only available due to the strength of a resource-based economy. And that growing economy means, yes, higher PST revenues. That means that we can, are able to share those revenues with our municipalities. The large increase in this year's budget builds on what was already a 106% increase since that program was introduced. And the, and the programming, or sorry, pardon me, the, the funding in municipal revenue sharing has over doubled since this government introduced it years ago. Our revenue sharing program, I want to speak about it just a little bit because it's very unique in the nation of Canada. It's a no-strings-attached program, and it's a no-strings-attached program for a reason. You decide what to do with the funding, not us, and the reason is that you're closer to the ground. You know the priorities of your community much better than this provincial government or, quite frankly, any provincial government ever will know. This budget coming next week will also include a substantial increase in funding for crop insurance. You saw that announcement last month, and in fairness, there's some questions yesterday. That's true, the premiums are up, yes, but that's a reflection of what commodity prices are doing in this, in this space. But there will be record coverage, you can be assured of that. There will be an increase in the maximum coverage for unseated acreage, and there's going to be changes to make the program more flexible and responsive to you, the producer. 
with individual premiums that are that better reflect what each producer is doing on in their specific instance in their farm. Premier Mo also says the province is taking steps to encourage more doctors to serve in rural Saskatchewan. And we've enriched incentives for our new graduates from health care programs to stay here in Saskatchewan and more specifically incentivize them to work in rural communities in Saskatchewan. And that's why today I'm very pleased to announce that we're increasing the Rural Physician Incentive Program to $200,000 for a five-year return for service. This is going to help us attract doctors into our rural communities across the province. That, that incentive today is at $47,000 and we're going to increase it to $200,000 for a five-year return of service in your community. That will be one of the most ambitious and aggressive rural physician incentive programs that you will find in the nation of Canada. Premier Mo also promised more support for rural highway work. Improve uh, more than a thousand, as we as your provincial government, improve more than a thousand kilometers of highways yet again uh, this next fiscal year. This will be our fourth in our 10-year projection, our 10-year target to do 10,000 kilometers by the year 2030. Um, we're going to achieve about 4,600 kilometers at the end of this year. Um, we're definitely on pace to achieve that 10,000 kilometers and do it far before we hit uh, the 2030 timeline. And as we know, uh, our highways investment is of utmost importance to the export-based industries that we have, but our families travel on those same highways and so they need to continue to be uh, safe. In the coming year, we're also investing in internet services. I talked about the Saskatchewan Dist uh, Distance Learning Centre. Uh, it isn't that good without a, a proper internet service. And so last week, uh, Minister Morgan with SaskTel announced that he's going to bring infinite service to yet another 48 communities. And this is part of our 200 million uh, rural fibre initiative commitment that we had made a number of years ago. It's to improve rural broadband service and then we know how important that is to your communities. It's critical for businesses to operate and want to expand and uh, make no mistake, this is an ongoing and continued priority for this government. That's Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe. He spoke at the SARM convention this morning in Saskatoon. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94 Ag Review. The U.S. Rail Regulator has approved CP Rail's acquisition of Kansas City Southern Railway, clearing the final hurdle in the $31 billion U.S. deal. The board says the merger will speed up freight travel time, enhance efficiency, and allow for better competition with the other five larger U.S. railways. The merged railway, named Canadian Pacific Kansas City, will create the only single-line rail network linking Canada, the United States, and Mexico. Current CP Chief Executive Keith Creel will be its CEO, and Calgary will be the global headquarters. Extreme heat and drought throughout most of Argentina have taken a huge toll on that country's soybean crop. Dr. Michael Cordonier of Soybean and Corn Advisor says the forthcoming soybean harvest is now likely to produce 25 million to 30 million metric tons, a far cry from the 40 million to 45 million metric tons several analysts initially projected. Argentina is typically one of the world's biggest exporters of soy meal and soy oil, so the fate of its soybean crop often looms large over North America's oilseed markets. 
of Argentina's corn. Cordonier surmised it's not quite as bad off as the soybeans, with expectations of 35 million to 40 million metric tons to be harvested. Initial hopes had called for well in excess of 50 million metric tons. There have been some modest upticks in green and red lentil prices recently due to increased demand from India and Turkey. That's according to Marcos Mosname of Export Packers. Over the last month, prices have climbed higher for most lentils. As of Monday, layered number ones and twos gained two to three cents per pound at 50 to 53 cents per pound, according to Prairie Ag Hotwire. However, the layereds and layered X3s lost 1 to 2 cents over the same time at 41 to 44 cents per pound. Crimson lentils pushed upward as well, with number 1s and 2s tacking on 3.5 cents at 30 to 35 cents per pound. The number 3s and X3s bumped up a penny to 26 to 30 cents per pound. Eston lentils added 1 to 3 cents just in the last week at 30.5 to 45 cents per pound, depending on the size. Richleys have been the exception to the recent increases. Instead, they gave up 3 cents at 35 to 38 cents per pound. Those in B.C.'s agricultural sector now have until the end of June to apply for the Agri-Stability Support Program for the 2022 farming year. The federal-provincial program provides support to growers who have seen large financial declines as a result of production losses, disease outbreak, increased costs, or declining market conditions. Federal Agriculture and Agri-Food Minister Marie-Claude Bibot says allowing for late participation in the program this year will help more farmers manage the impacts of the many challenges they face. B.C. farmers dealt with a number of challenges last year, including avian influenza outbreaks and abnormally cold temperatures. A Canadian-funded milk processing plant in western Ukraine has become an unlikely symbol of defiance in the face of the Russian invasion. The $3 million dairy plant funded by Global Affairs Canada will produce milk, yogurt, sour cream and hard and soft cheeses using milk from local dairy co-ops. Those co-ops will also have a stake in the management of the plant, which will employ 30 to 40 people. Construction was halted when Russia invaded, causing investors to pull out. Project manager Andre Blinovsky says the Canadian government contributed another $2 million to get it up and running again, but shortly after that the power was knocked out by a nearby missile strike. Blinovsky says the fact that the plant is almost finished sends a powerful message to Ukraine's enemy that the country has support and will continue to develop despite the war. And that's today's AgriView. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return in one minute's time. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's mainly cloudy and minus 8 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. Saskatchewan feeder cattle volumes were steady last week and the bids continue to climb. Only 3 to 4 weight and 8 to 9 weight steers had lower average bids, while every other weight category was higher. 
The biggest increase for steers was $3.88 for 7 to 8 weights for an average provincial price of $271.38 per hundredweight. Canfax reports much stronger heifer bids ranging from $4.30 for 6 to 700 pounds to a jump of $12.58 for 3 to 400 pound heifers. Prices for D2 slaughter cows in Alberta jumped $12.80 to average $126.30 per hundredweight. D3 slaughter cows were up $6.70 to average $107.20 per hundredweight. Two people are being inducted into the Saskatchewan Horse Federation Hall of Fame on Friday night. Veteran, veterinarian Dr. Hugh Townsend of Saskatoon and Percheron horseman Mort Seaman from Choiceland will be honoured as part of weekend activities in Saskatoon. Executive Director Greg LaRock says the Saskatchewan Horse Federation is a non-profit organization. People may be familiar with Sask hockey, Sask baseball, football, those kinds of things. It's a sport organization that has all the umbrella clubs and breeds underneath it. We get our funding through Sask Sport, and then we disperse that funding to our members in various different ways. He says they have quite a few members. Right now, we have a little over 3,100 members, individual members, clubs, and the like. So lots of folks involved in equine sports. LaRock notes there's all kinds of equine sports. Yeah, we do almost any sport uh, with the exception of thoroughbred racing or standard bird racing or any of the uh, rough breeds like rodeo. But we'll do a lot of work uh, with ropers, team ropers, rainers, hunter jumper, those kinds of folks. Just like I said, just about anything. We do a lot of work with trying to get coaching for some of the individuals that are performing it in the ring. And then also, you know, having those officials trained and ready to go so when they need them, so when they put on events. As for the two new Saskatchewan Horse Hall of Fame inductees... We have Dr. Hugh Townsend. He's with the Vet College in Saskatoon. He's basically done lots of work to assist the equine vaccine to make sure that, you know, the horses are healthy. And he's been doing this for a while. You know, some of his work goes out throughout the world to help the animal athletes that are out there. We also have Mort Seaman. Mort is a Percheron breeder. Uh, he's done lots of different things, including being here in Regina at Agribition. And at one point, he uh, had the Supreme Champion Stallion at Agribition. So Mort's been doing this for well over 50 years. What we do is work with the Hall of Fame has just started in 2019. We started inducting folks through there, got sidetracked with COVID. So we're just kind of getting back on track. So it's our second year, I guess, after COVID to be able to do an in-person program. LaRock says it's a unique type of a Hall of Fame. At this point, it's a virtual Hall of Fame. So get more information on the folks that we have inducted our Hall of Fame. You can go to our website, www.saskhorse.ca, and there's a tab on there. You click on Hall of Fame and you can view the folks that are inducted. We have folks that have uh, participated in the Olympics. We've got some judges. We've got one of the um, fellows that, what was it, at Stampede? It's wearing Mitzwing, actually, is the fellow's name. So we've got all sorts of different people, included last year we inducted an animal athlete who's, uh, you know, breeding has gone on and helped other folks. So it's a wide range. We're always looking for nominees. So, again, go onto our website click the nomination information, and you can make those applications or send those nominees 
to our office, or if you have any questions, you can always give the office a call as well. He notes there's some other horse events going on in Saskatoon this weekend as well. Yes, it's our annual general meeting this weekend, so Friday night we'll do the Hall of Fame Awards. Saturday night we do our uh, Heritage Circuit Prairie Cup Awards, along with a few other awards, President Awards and such. And those are the evenings, those are the fun things at night. Through the day, we've got our AGM, and we've got some speakers on Saturday, starting at 9 o'clock. We've got a nutritionist coming in. Also, for our luncheon speaker, we have Lisa Robertson from Equestrian Canada. She's the president, so she's chatting a little bit through lunch. And we also have Dr. Julia Montgomery to talk about horse health first thing in the afternoon, and then always AGM uh, a little bit later in the afternoon as well. Greg LaRock is the executive director of the Saskatchewan Horse Federation, It's honoring two new inductees into its Hall of Fame on Friday night, veterinarian Dr. Hugh Townsend of Saskatoon and Percheron horseman Mort Seaman from Choiceland. Livestock Market Conditions U.S. Live Cattle Futures for... Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. Grain Weeks 27 to 29 saw the railways regain control of demand and their strategies to ensure trends continue to head in the right direction. Milt Poirier is with QGI Consulting, and he monitors the railway's grain movement performance on behalf of the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of grain companies and producer organizations. He comments on railway performance during that three-week period. You know, the numbers uh, on their face would certainly say that performance has been improving steadily over the last three weeks for both railways. They're not necessarily improving at the same pace, but the trajectory is consistent for both CN and CP. Just to give you a, you know, a quick tour of the numbers, if we go back to week 27 for CN, they were at 77% order fulfillment, and then they went to 82, and then they went to 87 in week 29. CP started a little farther back in week 27, they were 66% and then up to 71 and then up to 78 in week 29. So they're both definitely trending in the right direction. CN has been a little bit quicker, if you will, to get their numbers up than CP. But you know, if you look beyond the the top line performance numbers, there's some fairly self-evident reasons as to to why CP is, uh, is lagging a little bit, I would say. He tries to explain why the lags are occurring. Well, I think if you look back to where the two railways started, uh, gives you a good indication as to why CN is is moving forward a little more quickly in their improvement. That plus the strategies that each of them have adopted. So, you know, in brief, probably the most important thing is CN uh, was in better shape you know, coming out of week 26 and into week 27 on the basis of outstanding orders. They were about half, a little bit more than what CP was. CP was staring pretty much 2,000 outstanding orders, which is a huge number. Uh, Coming out of week 26, CN was only about 1,100, a little under that. So uh, a, a smaller hill to climb, if you will, for CN. Um, the other thing is that, you know, CN continues uh, what has now become a very consistent strategy uh, of managing demand to match their available capacity. And they're doing that, as we've talked about several times this year, through what I call selective rationing of shipper orders. 
So if we just look over the last three weeks, for instance, in the, that same three week period where their performance has improved week over week over week, you know, they've rationed 600 shipper orders over those three weeks. I mean, those aren't huge numbers, uh, certainly if you compare them to, you know, levels of rationing that we've seen in prior years, but it's just enough to allow them to tamp down demand to a level that they think they can manage and not build their outstanding order count. And on the flip side of that, allow them to address their outstanding order count because their car spotting levels have not really risen significantly. I mean, they've had a couple of good weeks there where they've been above quote unquote average, but generally speaking, they're keeping demand at the same level week after week after week. They're spotting roughly the same number of cars week after week after week. So the way that you get at the backlog is you make sure that, you know, you don't let demand get out of control. You focus on your backlog and at the same time, your new demand and your performance goes up and the size of your backlog goes down. So they've done that well, I guess I would say. CP is a different story. Uh, they don't tend to use the rationing tool as much as CM. I mean, they have this year, probably more than we've seen ever from CP, but I would argue less strategically. So, you know, CP has had a challenge and it's an ongoing challenge to wrestle down this outstanding order count. It, the numbers remain high and yes they have been able to improve their weekly order fulfillment performance in the face of that but overall they're they have not made any appreciable progress on you know the size of the backlog that they're carrying from week to week to week so you know that's important how where they started and how they've managed it over the last three weeks and the other thing for both railways, frankly, is, um, you know, they've figured out how to improve performance in their most important corridors. And that's really just a numbers game for CN. That's Vancouver and Prince Rupert. That's a huge chunk of their demand week in and week out at this time of year, particularly with Thunder Bay closed now for the season. So that's probably 70, 80, 85 percent of CN's demand every week is going to the West Coast to one of those two ports. And for CP, it's all about Vancouver. I mean, when Thunder Bay is in season, that's a, a big draw on their demand, but that's not the case right now. So right now, about 90% or more of CP's demand from shippers every week is for the Vancouver corridor. And they've struggled, both of them, admittedly, in those corridors, you know, pretty much through December and through a good chunk of January. But over the last couple of weeks, we've seen you know, performance in those corridors specifically start to improve. And the best performance from both of them that we've seen for probably the better part of two months now in those major corridors came in week 29. And not, you know, coincidentally, their top line performance uh, has followed suit. So they're going the right way. They fixed some issues in their major corridors and and CN is, you know, executing a somewhat different strategy, which is why they're they're ahead, I guess I would put it that way. That's Milt Poirier with QGI Consulting. I'll have more with Milt coming up in a few minutes time. But first, it's time for your commodities update. And that's a presentation of Lane Realty. When it's time to sell the farm, call Lane Realty your trusted and experienced farmland real estate company. To include your property for showings, call 620-7260 or visit lanerealty.com. Commodities Update. 
Canola futures are trading down across the board again today. May canola trading at $751 per metric ton, down $6.60. July canola trading at $747.60, down $7.50. May Minneapolis wheat trading at $852.5, up $0.02.5. Cents. May Kansas City wheat trading at 8.19 and 3 quarters up 2 cents. May Chicago wheat trading at 7.02 and 3 quarters up 6 and a half cents. May corn trading at 6.26 and a half up 5 and 3 quarters of a cent. May soybeans trading at 14.89 and a quarter down 4 and a half cents. May oats trading at 347 and a half down one and a half cents. And that's the commodities update. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. As you heard a few minutes ago, Grain Weeks 27 to 29 saw the railways regain control of demand and their strategies to ensure trends continue to head in the right direction. Milt Poirier is with QGI Consulting and he monitors the railway's grain movement performance on behalf of the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of grain companies and producer organizations. He comments on railway performance during that three-week period, and he also talks about the possibility of the railways prioritizing certain grain corridors. I don't know that uh, you could say that it's a result of prioritizing grain traffic. You know, grain traffic is, as we've talked about many times, 20% of the total traffic that moves on CN and CP systems. A little bit different in the Vancouver corridor, but in, you know, going to Vancouver, it's, it's, it's not far off that number, but they're competing with intermodal traffic. They're competing with coal traffic, with sulfur traffic, intermodal being the biggest one because it's, it's significantly more time sensitive, actually, from the railway's perspective anyway. So yes, I think they're making a concerted effort, but I'm not sure that, you know, uh, grain is seeing consciously anyway, uh, better service or better planning from CN and CP with a view uh, to improve performance in, in those corridors for grain. I think it kind of all flows into, you know, the grand scheme of the plan for all the traffic. And for CN and CP, you know, to some extent, I guess traffic has been flowing better in those corridors and grain has benefited. But I don't think that there's necessarily a, a strategic focus on grain to move better in, Van in the Vancouver and Prince Rupert corridors. And Poirier then analyzes Prairie Rail Service on a province-by-province -province basis. Yeah, as you say, I think, uh, you know, much like the top line for both railways has improved over the last three weeks, the trajectory has been the same at the provincial level for the most part. Um, when you start to look inside at an individual province level, there certainly have been some bumps uh, along the way, uh, even over the last three weeks. CN, you know, has flat out been better, I would say, over the last three weeks in all provinces. Their trajectory is pretty much consistently up and performance has improved uh, pretty much week after week in, in each of the provinces. CP a little bumpier. They seem to be challenged for whatever reason to 
you know, string together multiple weeks of good performance across all three provinces. They seem to do well in two out of three sometimes, but not, never three out of three. Manitoba probably is the, the sore spot for CP, I would say, based on the numbers. It's been very uh, volatile week to week, even over the last three weeks. You know, you look at week 29, which has been some of the best performance we've seen from CP at a system level and at a provincial level. And they were, you know, 80% plus order fulfillment in Alberta and in Saskatchewan, but in Manitoba, you know, 58%. And when we look at the numbers, it's it's tough to find a pattern. You know, it's not necessarily corridor related. It's as much as anything, perhaps shipper location related. Uh, because we do know that there's a fair divide between uh, service levels across individual shippers for CP. But Manitoba's just been bumpy, and it's been bumpy for a good part of the year. And so far, it's staying that way. But, you know, if you take that out of the equation, um, CP service has, you know, generally been trending upwards, certainly in Alberta and Saskatchewan. That's Milt Poirier with QGI Consulting. He monitors the railway's grain movement performance on behalf of the Ag Transport Coalitions. His comments come from the Grain by Train podcast, produced by Pulse Canada, which is a member of the Ag Transport Coalition. Farm Bulletin Board. Just a quick note that there is a GoFundMe page set up right now for Doug Ukrainitz of Ukrainitz Auctioneering. Doug is in Mexico battling cancer, so if you poke around uh, GoFundMe, you will find that in the uh, name of Doug Ukrainitz of Ukrainitz Auctioneering. The government of Saskatchewan has proclaimed March 12th through the 18th as Agricultural Safety Week in Saskatchewan, created by the Canadian Centre for Health and Safety in Agriculture and the Canadian Agricultural Safety Association. Farm Safety Week is a national campaign focused on raising awareness of the importance of safety on all Canadian farms. More information about farm safety can be found at saskatchewan.ca slash farm safety. And that's today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River... Broadview Mooseman Indian Head and Yorkton Melville Roblin Russell regions today. A mix of sun and cloud, winds northwest at 10 to 20 and a high of minus 6 degrees. For tonight partly to mainly cloudy, winds northwest at 10 to 20, a low of minus 17. For tomorrow partly sunny, winds northwest at 15 to 25, a high of minus 10, a low of minus 23. For Friday, cloudy, winds north-northwest at 15 to 25, a high of minus 11. For Saturday, mainly sunny, a high of minus 8. And Sunday, mainly sunny, a high of minus 4. In the Paw, it's minus 11 degrees. Swan River and Show Lake Russell are at minus 7. Dauphin minus 4, Brandon minus 6, Roblin minus 9. Regina is at minus 6 degrees, Saskatoon minus 10, Hudson Bay minus 5, Broadview Mooseman minus 7, Indian Head minus 8, Winyard Wadena Kelvington 
minus 9. The Yorkton-Melville region has a mainly cloudy sky, a west-northwest wind at 13 kilometers an hour. 72% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 8 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 13 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.